Greetings, my name is Griffin Schaefer. And my name is Scott Peterson. And this is episode one of Inside Quizzing. A podcast about Bible quizzing for folks who love the Bible. All right, cool, Scott. Well, this is uh, our first episode, so we're going to make lots of mistakes, but that's okay because we're cool and we can, you know, handle that. So uh, under our regular topics for this week is uh, talking about some of the uh, stuff for the chapters coming up for uh, on the schedule for this week. So that's uh, Corinthians 15 and 16. Um, what, are you, what are you thinking about these things? Well, I know that I wrote, wrote my questions recently, and 1 Corinthians 15 is quite a beast of a chapter, so it will be helpful for quizzers jumping on, quote, questions and chapter verse reference questions to know that there are questions in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. Yeah, yeah most of the 50s. Yep. And I think it's also helpful to review these chapters a few times, as um, these will probably be the chapters that quizzers uh, slack on the most as they get closest to the meat, maybe rush through to get it all done. And I, I know of at least one quizzer who starts with the last new chapters uh, for a given meets material to kind of have a leg up on all the kids who just start from the beginning and run out of time. Yeah, I was uh, I was recommending to a couple of quizzers to, you know, if they're going to start, you know, halfway. Obviously, I want to encourage everybody to memorize as much as absolutely possible. Memorize everything if you can. Certainly review everything uh, before the meet. Read through the material at least once. Uh, you know, even if you're a rookie, it's pretty easy just to, to read through the material material to get a general familiarity with it before a meet starts. But I was also kind of thinking of, given the size of chapter 15 going all the way to 58, uh, looking especially somewhere in the 30s and 40s, I think you're going to see a lot of opportunity there for questions that uh, are going to be a little bit slower, I think, on the average uh, for the rest of the meet. Yep, definitely. And another thing that I would always look for as I read material for the first time, reviewed it, was uh, those unique words and ones that might be um, specifically unique or special for one reason or another. For example, in 1 Corinthians 15.41, there's a unique word, son, S-U-N, um, and I could easily see an interrogative starting with the son, and it would be easy for a quizzer to think of the son like the son of God. And it would be a good place to kind of firm in your mind that the son, the son from the sky is a unique word. Yeah, yeah, and very tricky because, I mean, unique words are required to be uh, provided. So that would be an interesting, here's an interesting rules question then for you. The son is technically, you know, the word S-U-N is key into and on itself being a unique word. So the the son has is going to be, I mean, there's there's two word key phrases in, involved in that as well. But pretending those didn't exist and the word son was the only uh, a key material in there. Going back to the rule book, I mean, is it is a question key based on the word or the pronunciation? It's really the word because it's the sequence of words or it's a sequence of words, the sequence of which distinguishes them from the rest of the material. Um I have run into interesting rules questions with homonyms. I think in the case of the sun, because the question would be something like the sun has what, or the sun has one kind of splendor, the moon, what, it won't be confused with another, I wouldn't call it tricky or misleading compared to another interrogative that starts with the son of God, just because of where the quizzer jumps. But I remember from, actually it might have been Corinthians, um... There was a chapter that had two chapter-only keywords, past and past, P-A-S-T and P-A-S-S-E-D, and it was possible to write a one-word reference question on both, like past where and past what, Mm -hmm. and I might consider those two to be tricky and misleading, because there's another one from the exact same chapter, it's only a word, um, 
And I see another example here in 1 Corinthians 15 49, the word born, B-O-R-N-E, is a unique word. Yeah. And you could write an interrogative, born what? The image of the earthly man. But I bet you B-O-R-N appears elsewhere in the material. And because of that, I might call born what too tricky or misleading, or at least not write it myself. Yeah, I mean, born definitely, B-O-R-N appears in 11, 12, and 15, 8, just a little bit above uh, where we currently are, abnormally born or like born born of woman uh, from 1112. Um, so like looking back at like uh, the sun uh, has one kind of splendor, we could say the sun what uh, would perfectly valid question on 1541. But I would be worried that, well, you know, 1528, the sun himself will be made subject to. Uh, and so you say the sun what? And it's like, well, himself will be made subject to could could be confusing enough that I, I, I guess for me personally, I would not want to to write a question that that uh, that that flowed that way. Correct, and um, or I agree, and a, <laughs> a little not quizzing, judging but, here. Yeah. But um, I definitely tend to when I'm writing interrogative questions. Is there if there is a verb to be or a form of it like has, was, is, it flows so much better if you include that as part of the question. Um, and in this case, you just say the sun has what, and it makes it more of a question, an easier flowing question, and easier for the quizzer to understand. Yeah, yeah. But it also brings up another interesting case in my mind is we, you and I serve a few different roles. We write questions, but we also ask them and are the quiz master and make rulings. And I think we can make decisions as question writers, like maybe I don't want to write born what because it would be too tricky or misleading to a quizzer. But once you're a quiz master and you ask the question that is presented to you, whether you wrote it or not, um, and a quizzer jumps and answers and you have to make a ruling, you kind of have a different hat. And I, I usually don't like it when a quizzer has made an error and uses the rule book, like the trickier misleading, which is a very subjective part of the rule book, to almost get themselves out of a sticky situation. But I kind of have to dissociate myself from the question writer, me, and say, what do I think is the right call here based on what is said in the rule book? And almost ignoring whether or not the quizzer is twisting or um, trying to get off on a technicality because um, their their motivations shouldn't necessarily cause me to rule one way or another necessarily. Yeah, yeah it's very. I mean, you have to be. I, I really dislike. I mean, on on a sort of a more meta level than. I mean, I as you you're saying before before we close that topic. Correct. I agree with you. Um, but at almost at a meta level of what you're talking about, I I dislike areas of the rule book that are subjective. I would love, you know, it, sometimes there has to be subjective uh, conversations there, but I would love, uh, it makes things so much easier for me as a quiz master to be able to rule objectively more and more on things. Um, because, I mean, the more objective we can make the rules, the more fair I think it's going to be from quizzer to quizzer and, and quiz meet to quiz meet. And I, I mean, that's ultimately what we want is a is a fair uh, quiz meet for everyone, because I mean, that certainly is going to encourage people to uh, study more. I mean, the other thing that, that sort of popped up for me in in looking at 15 in particular, uh, I mean, especially given how long it is, there's this block of verses, uh, probably starting around 1532, that runs until about 1541, where there's quite a few uh, uh, unique words. Uh, you know, like in 1532 in particular, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus, and there's like fought wild beasts is, uh, each one of those is, is, is a unique word. Uh, in 33, do not be misled, misled, unique, uh, bad company, corrupt 
corrupts good character. Company corrupts uh, character. Those three words being uh, unique there. There's just a lot of unique words that are filled within that uh, within that territory between uh, you know 1532 all the way through uh, what did I say 41 or something like that. That's um a, you know a return this year to a rule of the past where unique words need to be said before uh, time is completed. Yeah, and there are a lot of different ways to go about that. Um, in general, I wouldn't recommend that a quizzer who is who has chosen not to memorize the whole material, um, I wouldn't recommend that they memorize verse 32 and then find another verse from a different chapter that has a lot of unique words and memorize that. It can be a good um, a good approach, but often memorizing verses in such a haphazard manner it makes them harder to stick in your mind. Yes. Um, but for a quizzer who either has memorized the whole material or a quizzer who loosely knows the whole material, it can definitely be worthwhile to read over the material before the meet, like shortly before the meet, and spend a little bit of extra time lingering on each unique word. I know quizzers that when they would review it would snap whenever they got to a unique word. Just anything that helps it um, have a foothold in your mind, and especially if the unique word feels vague to you. Um, I know if I come across words like misled or beasts, they just kind of felt unique. But if I come across, I'm trying to find one like weak, W-E-E-K, or uh, plant, like right in in 1537, uh, you do not plant the body. Plant doesn't seem particularly unique. Correct. So um, I like to um, make a note of those because I know as a question writer, if I can write a well-flowing um, interrogative question that includes a unique word, that's going to be a question I want to write. And I'm not really putting a whole lot of stock into, is this a super recognizable unique word or not? I just want to write a well-worded question that tests part of the material. And so you may have a leg up on quizzers who they hear dust or joins and it doesn't jump out in their mind, but it does in yours because you've spent a little extra time on unique words. Yeah. The, uh, one of the things that, that was helpful uh, for my teams back when I was a coach, which I, you know, it's been a while back. I think that was back when Charlemagne was still in power. Um, but <laughs> we would oftentimes like, you know, we had quizzers who would memorize everything. And then we had quizzers who would memorize uh, everything out of certain chapters, but not other chapters. They would sort of specialize in certain chapters. And then we had quizzers who would specialize by type, um, which was a little bit harder because like what you were saying, the, the verses weren't necessarily connected with each other. They were sort of out on their on their own and, and connecting those together in your head is a little bit tricky. But then we had, uh, you know, the, the, the rookies or the second years who were still kind of getting into the swing of things. They were trying to memorize more and kind of push the envelope a little bit. Uh, and there was a there was an idea that that I wasn't so much a fan of, but there was an idea uh, that was floated around around saying, well, why don't you take the key verses and memorize those? And I, I was never such a fan of that because it seemed too obvious. It seemed like everybody else was going to be memorizing those same key verses as well. Uh, and then certainly uh, folks are going to be, especially those who are, are, are do, uh, specializing in, in quotes and finish the verses and so forth, are going to have those verses down really, really well. My thought was, in, in contrast to that, is if, if the entire chapter is too much for you, um, certainly read the entire chapter several times. That 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 isn't particularly hard. You can, might be get, you know get lucky and pick up a couple of bonus questions or free questions or something like that off other parts of the material. But one of the things that I like to encourage was for each chapter, find ten verses that are consecutive and just try to memorize those ten uh, with references. That's the other thing that's really important. Don't drop the references, but having those ten consecutive where you can just sort of sit down without looking at anything, your eyes closed in the back of a van or something like that, and just be like, I'm going to, you know, a van riding the meat and just sort of recite 
recite them mentally to yourself going through those 10 verses in order there's something about that cohesion i think that was at least for the 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 teams that i was coaching at the time uh, it was pretty helpful yeah i agree i've always struggled with um how to advise quizzers that um we're not going to memorize the whole material and that's going to be the majority of quizzers you know it's quite quite the minority that will choose to put in the time required to memorize the whole material and you're definitely right that memorizing the key verses even though you will get a lot of uh, spiritual benefit from memorizing those verses, you will also have a lot of very stiff competition in quizzing, um, jumping on questions to answer those. And I think I think your advice to memorize 10 consecutive verses with references in a given chapter is great advice. And it's similar to what I would advise. Um, I would advise picking whole chapters to memorize um, and just pick a few chapters because then you're in play for not just chapter verse reference questions, but chapter reference questions from that chapter um, in addition to interrogatives and multiple answers if they happen to be on something you know. Yeah, so true. So true. I mean, chapter reference questions, I think, are one of the uh, unexplored awesome territories available to early quizzers. Um, you know, I, I, when I say early quizzers, I mean, um, you know, rookies or second years, um, chapter reference questions are great uh, opportunities there for you. Yep, and I've, I have struggled with chapter reference questions as a question writer because there are just so many that you could write. And I, I do find myself falling back on the convention to write um, the most meaty chapter references that you can and not, even if it's valid, try to not write he is what as a chapter reference, but um, side more towards the recognized whom or what is written. And there was a quizzer a few years back at Internationals who worked very, very, very hard on chapter reference. And I think at Internationals they are the most difficult question type based on the comp- the competition um, and the speed of jumping. But this quizzer worked very, very hard, had made a, a list, studied it well, and boy, really dominated the competition, specifically on chapter references and ended up winning the title as a team. Um, and it was it was very impressive because I could tell that there was strategy behind it, there was a lot of thought, and then a lot of work. Very cool. All right, before moving on, um, I, uh, I know it doesn't matter uh, in terms of ruling, uh, especially in my room, because I can't pronounce anything anyway, so I'm certainly not going to count a uh, quiz or incorrect if they mispronounce a word. But can you read uh, 1617 just so maybe I can pronounce those words correctly? Yep, First Corinthians 16. 17. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you. Achaicus. I decided to go with the a the K sound versus a CH sound for the so rather than Achaicus. Yeah. But the nice thing is the rule book clearly says that um, as long as mispronounced names are still recognizable as the answer, uh, the quiz will be counted correct. So you just have to demonstrate to the quiz master that you are pronouncing the correct word, even if you are not pronouncing it in either the correct or most pronounced way. Yeah, that is very uh, fortunatus for us. It is, but a quizzer does have to be careful with like Achaicus, because later, um, actually in 2 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, there is Achaia, and a quiz master would probably be very strict on differences between those two. Yeah, yeah, you at least put in the us at the end, and Achaeus or something like that, Achaeus... I like the K sound. I think the K sound is is much more reasonable. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely definitely uh, little words here and there.
there that are going to uh, trip people up on those verses. Yep, the Quizmaster wants to count you correct um, if you demonstrate that you know the material. Yeah, very much so. Um, very much so. Well, so upcoming, we're only a couple of days away from the next meet of the year. Uh, it's going to be at your haunt, uh, Alliance uh, Bible Church, uh, Covington. I love Covington. Yep, yep, it's a nice small church, and we love having meets here. Very cool. So no lunch provided. Uh, so then I'm assuming there's, there's some fast food places around the area? Yep, there's a main road co- road called 272nd, which is Kent Kingley Road. Very, very close by with a lot of good options. Um, no leadership meeting, uh, so that'll uh, speed things along a little bit. Um, mostly just because I'm assuming uh, be, with lunch not being provided, everybody has to scatter and come back, so there just wouldn't be there wouldn't be time. Correct. Yeah, correct. I like being correct. Uh, it's <laughs> like I'm a quizzer in your room. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> stats after the meet. So talk a little bit about the stats after the meet. So district meet number three within our district is always kind of a cool meet um, because we have five main district meets that everyone participates in and the meets are structured in such a way that you are increasingly rewarded for doing well because we understand it's really hard as a quizzer with school and sports and music and church and all kinds of stuff going on to keep studying as the material builds and builds. And so if you keep studying and score well at later and later meets, we want to reward you for that. And so to bring that to fruition, the meets are weighted. And you can get super technical about percentages and how to weight meets and calculate everything, but basically you get more credit for doing well at the later meet than an earlier meet. It's as simple as that. But we also know that we're all human. And so among the first three meet, whichever meet you do worst at, you get to drop it. It doesn't count at all for your ongoing individual average. And that ongoing individual average, sometimes referred to as a year-to-date average, includes all the quizzing that you've done up to that point. But there's this cool little thing. If you don't do well at one of the first three meets, you get to drop your worst one. And so that's why after two meets, sure, you can take the average of those two scores, and there's your year-to-date average. But it doesn't really mean anything yet because we don't know if you had a really bad meet that you're dropping or not. But after this third meet, we will know for each quizzer which meet it is that they drop, and then the year-to-date average means a lot more. Um, And so that I'm hoping, because I've actually... I'm not going to be quiz mastering in room once this meet, so I'll have less responsibilities. I'm hoping to have stats ready um, pretty quickly, and I'm hoping to have a PowerPoint up at, at the conclusion of awards that has the year-to-date standings for both the individuals and the teams. And so it's a, it's a good way for quizzers to see where they stand after three meets. But the cool thing is, um, if you want to go to Great West, the first three meets count, um, I think, only a third as much as meets four and five combined. And so regardless of what your standing is, meets four and five give you an amazing opportunity to uh, improve your standings. Before I move on to team stuff, any questions on what I said, Griffin, or anything to add? No, well, I mean, uh, not, uh, no questions, but I mean, I, I, I really want to reinforce the what you said about the last two meets uh, working towards Great West. There is sort of this human tendency to think, well, I started the year off kind of slow, uh, you know, especially if it's my rookie year or my second year. Uh, maybe I'm not, uh, you know, I, I just didn't, I didn't get enough memorized early on, or maybe I did have enough memorized, but I just didn't score particularly well in the first couple couple of meets and you can feel kind of behind the ball a little bit as you're heading into the last couple of, uh, of meets that we've been talking about here and it, it, there's this sort of I don't know maybe a subconscious feeling of saying like ah, I don't think I can actually qualify for Great West but in fact it's very approachable uh, it, it's almost like 
if you can push the accelerator pedal on your memorizing towards the, the these last couple of meets, you have that much more of an opportunity to to get uh, to get to Great West. So it's really an achievable goal. And so I, I mean, for quizzers who are out there thinking like, eh, I don't think I could make it, I really just encourage you to you know review the material. Just even just even if you don't have a lot of time to memorize more verses, reading the material, refreshing what you already have memorized, uh, going into the meet with your best foot forward, uh, you're, you're, you still stand a very good chance of being able to get into Great West because of the, the waiting apparatus that Scott was describing. Absolutely, and that's why I love the system that's set up, because it allows quizzers who do really well at meets four and five to really move up, and that's what we want to encourage. And we totally understand it's not difficult. And it's it's exciting. It's exciting too, right? I mean, the opportunity for late uh, late advancement in the stats is 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 exciting. Um, makes it more sporting, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of if you think about most major sports, everything's kind of reset before the playoffs, yeah. and very little of what you've done up to that point matters. Now we don't take it quite that far, but um, we definitely put a lot more emphasis on the quote unquote playoffs or have something along that theme. Yeah, indeed. And if you if you want to super nerd out um this concept this concept of waiting is just a weighted average so you can ask your parents about it or google it or come talk to me about it at the meet and i can tell you exactly how to calculate your year to date weighted average after meet one two three four five or the whole year (laughs) very cool all right so then uh looking at kind of our rules corner discussion we talked a little bit about some rules here uh already in in the in the podcast but in particular we wanted to talk about reference questions stuff, the whole 50-50 thing and uh, sum of question and answer and so forth. And, and Scott, you have a particularly uh, great perspective on this, not just from your uh, massive quizzing experience uh, and then also as being a, a quiz master, but you also sit on a rules committee, right? I definitely do. I have This was my question type when I was a quizzer, the one I worked the hardest at. Um, and then I am on a rules committee, so I have I guess some unique insights into the ins and outs of reference questions and different ways that they are either viewed ruled on in the past, ruled on in the present, potentially ruled on in the future, and all that jazz. Very cool. Well, do you want to walk us through the the changes? Yeah. So basically, a reference question is material that appears twice in the same chapter. So it's going to be fairly vague phrases like um, God said or they were, and it's a way to test the quizzer on very specific material. We couldn't write an interrogative question that was they were what because the phrase they were appears many times in the material and often twice in the same chapter. So to make it to make us sure that the quizzer is able to locate it, we include the full reference. And so that's kind of the, the structure, the, the reason that there are chapter verse reference questions. And so you can see just from the structure that it's going to be a difficult question if you haven't memorized the whole material with references. But if you happen to have memorized the whole material with references, it gets much easier. Another difficult aspect of reference questions is that if you jump before the full question has been read, the whole, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, they were what? Unless all of that has been read, the quizzer needs to um, provide a question. And herein comes much of the consternation is too strong of a word, but um, potential confusion or difference of opinion on how these should be ruled on. Because obviously, it's not reasonable to expect the quizzer to come up with the exact question verbatim. For example, if the phrase is, he was a prophet, well, providing the question, he was whom, or he was what, they probably both make sense. Because a prophet can be a what, but it is a person, so whom is also appropriate. And forcing the quizzer to come up with the exact correct interrogative would be too much. 
Um, even though we can expect the quizzer to not give a question like they were where, because a prophet is not aware. Um, so for starting from this standpoint of the quizzer does not have to provide the exact right question, we're then left to decide how exact does it have to be. Well, there are a few conventions that we fall back on um, in making this ruling. The first one, which applies to every question, is the quizzer has to stay in context. So if it's a chapter verse reference on 1 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, the quizzer can't say any material from another verse. If they do, they're wrong at that point. That's very simple. The second thing is the question the quizzer provides has to be the exact same type as the question asked. So if I'm asking a chapter verse reference with only one answer, the question the quizzer provides has to be a chapter verse reference with only one answer and not a multiple answer chapter verse reference or a chapter reference or an interrogative or a multiple answer. And if really relying on those two uh, rules, I'm able to rule as a quiz master on most reference questions that a quizzer provides. But even if a quizzer has fulfilled those two things, there's still a little bit we have to decide on. Um, And let me think about the best way to go about this. So we want the quizzer to provide the same content that's in our question. So if our question is, they were what, from 1 Corinthians 1.1, and a quizzer goes to some other material in 1 Corinthians 1.1, even if it's chapter verse reference, they're wrong. That's obvious because they gave a question that was just on different material, even though it was in the correct context. But of course, now we get to gray areas. What if it's on most of the same material that I'm talking about, like the most of the same phrases, but it didn't include quite all of my information, where it included a little bit extra? And so for a few years, the convention has been, if the quizzers content they provide in their question and their answer is the same as the question and answer sum of the content on the quizmaster's card, then they would be counted correct. So this means if the question is, he was a good prophet, if the quizzer says he was what, or he was a good what, or he what, well, it all kind of includes the same information. So as long as all of those potential questions are the exact same type, they would be counted correct. Um, and then an, a further wrinkle to this is occasionally you run across two a two-word phrase in the material, like good man, where good what and what man are both a valid single-answer chapter-verse-reference question. And maybe I'll leave the quoting backwards thing to a different day, but basically in the good man scenario, it's called a 50-50 reference question because there is absolutely nothing a quizzer can do to ensure themselves that they know which one it is before they provide a question. And so, for a few years, the convention has been, regardless of which one they provide, the sum of the the content, the question, the answer is the same, um, and both questions are the same type, we'll count the quizzer correct. Well, there's a new rule just written that is meant to deal with this very specific 50-50 scenario. And you'll hear the term 50-50 reference question thrown around, and this is what it's referring to. But the decision was made that... um, If a quizzer jumps before a chapter verse reference question has been completed by the quiz master, it's it's a pre-jump of sorts. And a pre-jump is when you're jumping before the question is done reading, and you can pre-jump on any question type. And if you pre-jump, you get less information than you would have had if you didn't pre-jump. And so in this case, the decision was made, well, you pre-jumped, so you have to bear some risk as the quizzer of not knowing which reference question you need to provide. And so specifically and only on 50-50 reference question, the quizzer's first question they provide has to contain the determining reference word or phrase. So if the question on the quizmaster's card is good what, the quizzer's first question has to be good what. 
if the quizzer provides what man, they will be counted incorrect because the first question they provided did not contain the determining reference word from the quizmaster's question. To some, this is a harsh way to rule. To others, this is a fair way to rule on a question that a quizzer has pre-jumped on. Um, and it is also helpful to highlight the fact that there's only a few reference questions in any quiz, and a 50-50, a true 50-50 reference question is actually pretty rare. So there may be cases of a very well-versed quizzer, experienced, knows the material well, jumps on a chapter verse reference, happens to be a 50-50 reference question. They quote it perfectly, they're prompted for a question, and they have to pick. And they pick the wrong one, and they're kind of incorrect. And that might happen, and it might seem uh, unfair or harsh to the quizzer, um, but it is a convention, um, a rule that's been decided upon, um, and a risk that a quizzer knows when they jump, and it won't happen a whole lot. Yeah, and I mean, there's, there's a, you know, the, like you were saying, the 50-50 stuff happens pretty rarely, actually very rarely, and, you know, there are, uh, you know, and, and maybe we'll save the quoting backwards uh, trick for another podcast or another episode, but I mean, there's a couple of basic things that a quizzer should keep in mind. I mean, it, it, I'm speaking more to the uh, the first, second, third year uh, folks rather than folks who've, uh, you know, been veterans for uh, a bit of time, but one of the things that, actually, actually, this applies to veterans too slow down um like when the if if uh if you if you get jump on a a, a cvr uh, or even a chapter reference question you've still got 30 seconds um you don't you know this is not like a quote these two verses where you have to you know stream this thing off at you know a thousand miles a second you can go pretty slowly because i mean part of the other thing is as you answer the question the quiz master is going to ask you for your question if you haven't actually gotten the full question out there nine times out of ten i mean this is only my second year back from from I don't know like a, what a 11 1200 year hiatus from my first time around um, but what I've noticed is most of the of the rest, reference questions that get out there the question is fully asked or it's very closely fully asked right there's usually only just like maybe the interrogative part um, you know he was and then somebody jumps and all they have to do is say he was what um, and there's been a couple of times at least in my room I've noticed a quizzer goes so fast they get done with the verse and then they then they're they're kind of in that moment of elation of like yeah I, I quoted the whole verse and then I asked them for their question and they've kind of like oh no what do I do now um, I think if you slow down a little bit it gives the opportunity for the quiz master to to come in there and say okay you you're correct now what is your question you you had a little bit more context or a little bit more hints into what you should say for your answer definitely and I think there are are some mental gymnastics involved because you know in the scenario where the quiz quiz master has gotten out some of the question you jump on it well you're immediately thinking of what reference is this what is the verse what can i start quoting from it what do i remember and by the time you're prompted for your question i can totally understand having forgotten what the quiz master already said and that's why i think it's an amazing practice on any question that has a reference so quote questions chapter references and chapter verse references when you jump just repeat what you heard i see this i see this with some really good quizzers they jump on a cvr and they they jump and they say okay according to second corinthians 1 4 he was according to second corinthians 1 4 he was and it, it helps solidify it in your brain what you did here and they're also using it as a trigger for their recall I think that's wonderful practice, um, and it's great practice on quotes as well. It's really good quizzing discipline. Um, even even like I, 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 there's been a several situations in my room where uh, a quizzer will jump on a quote or a quote these two verses or something like that, and I will not fully complete the verse number. Uh, you know, quote First uh, Corinthians chapter sixteen verse twenty. 
or something like that. And they don't get the full 22. They get 20, you know, and they'll start quoting. Uh, and what I've noticed is the quizzers who really nail these questions down, they begin by just always finishing the reference, uh, finishing my my words or my last couple of syllables and just repeating that before they dive into quoting instead of waiting for that to come out towards the end. Absolutely. I'm always heartbroken when a quizzer didn't finish their the reference on a quote question but had everything else correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and to be able to miss a question like that, especially, you know, quote these two verses, they get everything word perfect and then they they don't remember to finish the the reference um it's it's uh it's it's very frustrating definitely and it, and if i may go off on a bit of a bunny trail you're talking about a quiz quizzer not going too fast on a reference question because they have they have more time than they think oh yeah well one thing that i have noticed um since i have been quiz mastering is Coaches or adults or quizzers will ask quizzers, um, you know, have you memorized the whole material? And the answer will often be yes or no or kind of. Um, but I think it's very helpful, what, you know, um, whether you're talking to your coach or your parents or whatnot, to be very, very specific about what extent you know the material to. And I, I went so far as to make what I call a material mastery hierarchy. And I basically made 20 or 30 different levels to which you can know the material um, based on whether or not you review it, if you know the material with references or without, um, how long it takes you to recall a verse and start quoting it off of a reference, whether or not you quote it word perfectly the first time you quote it or need to be prompted with it again. Because all of those speak to how well you know the material. And especially on chapter verse references, it is an amazing advantage if as soon as you jump the verses in your head and you can start thinking about how you want to quote it rather than taking five or 10 or 50 seconds to recall it and then start that process. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even, I mean, there are a lot of quizzers who um, have the material down cold. I mean, absolutely cold, word perfect. And nine times out of 10, actually, that's probably not even accurate. Probably 10 times out of 10, they rattle off, uh, you know, quote these two verses in about seven seconds and or less sometimes quite a bit less, and they get it perfect the first time through. Uh, I don't know, Scott, you're a lot younger than I am. My eyes don't go that fast um, when I'm looking over the material. Um, fortunately, I, I haven't been in a situation where I my eyes couldn't keep up with them reciting the words, but there's been a couple of times where it was a close call. Um, and uh, I'll, 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 I'll jokingly say, after counting the person correct, I'll, I'll jokingly say, well, you, you, you know you had 27 seconds left or 26 seconds left or whatever whatever it happens to be. Um, it's, a, it's just a reminder that like you can slow down, you can take your time through it. Um, there's a lot of time that's there. Uh, and if you go super, super, super fast, uh, there is a higher chance for, you know, maybe misstepping on something. Yeah, I have a few things to say on that. Um, one is the quizzer has to demonstrate to the quiz master that they know the verse. And so it could be that in your head you are saying every word. But if you are talking so fast that the quiz master does not hear you enunciate a word, even if um, with the cadence that you're going, it makes sense that you would have said it, if the quiz master didn't hear it, they literally cannot count you correct. And so it's in your best interest to quote it at a very hearable pace. Um, and, and the quiz maybe... master can't tell you to slow down. I mean, that's the other thing. I can say again, 
in uh, if I if I think if I didn't hear you, but I can't tell you that I didn't hear you. Correct, and I might be the poster boy for what the quizzer quizmaster can and cannot say, but I think I fudge um, the rules a little bit on this one. Um, if a quizzer has quoted a verse confidently and mostly clearly, but I think I missed something, I will sometimes say again slower um, <laughs> r- rather than mislead the quizzer that maybe they have made something, made an error. Um, and maybe that's me giving too much of a benefit to that quizzer versus different, but I do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. It might not be a bad idea, you know, hint, hint to throw that in, in the rules. I would love an opportunity to be able to say again slower. Fortunately, it hasn't come up yet uh, where where I ha- I, I've not felt 100% confident that I've I've maybe they said something but I couldn't be sure uh, but uh, that definitely is is one of those things where I don't if, if you know the material I don't want to count you wrong I want to count you correct um, so just make sure that that I can you're, you're not talking so fast that I can't hear every word the other thing that's important I mean this is a somewhat related uh, is is speaking clearly enough and with enough articulation in your words that I can understand each word that that you're saying there are some quizzers who you know understand get a little bit nervous they they speak very quietly they kind of mumble their words together and uh, those are the folks that I even more especially want to count correct because I want to encourage them uh, in, in in their you know stepping out on a limb a little bit and taking that risk of jumping and trying to get a question I, I really I'm I'm like your you know the quiz master is is your biggest advocate in those situations the quiz master really wants you to do well and is is really rooting for you but if we don't hear a clear enunciation of a word we have to ask you to do it again. Yep. And there's been a handful of times where a parent or a coach has come up to me after a quiz and said, is there something you can do to make these quizzers speak clearer, slower, and louder? Because hmm. the audience the audience really wants to hear what you're saying, right? They, they often know you, they've come to see what you've memorized, and they really want to hear. And my answer is all the same. It is, I can't force them to make themselves heard to everyone in the room. Um, I can only force them to make themselves heard to me. But that is definitely something that I encourage coaches and parents to encourage quizzers on, because we have memorized the Word of God, and we're speaking it, and it's edifying to all, if all can hear it well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so Great West is coming up, right? Yeah, right in early April. Do we know where it is? We don't yet. Um, It will be in Canada somewhere. Um, It hasn't been firmed up quite yet by the Canadians. The place where we went last year was liked by some and not liked by others. Uh, And I've told the Canadians that if if the site ends up being any further west than where, any further east than where it was last year, then PNW would have to take off Saturday night after quizzing. Hmm. And that's not, that's not something that they want. um, But I think they're definitely looking around at places that would be good for all the various criteria that you need for quiz meet, you know, as far as quiz rooms and lodging and often Wi-Fi at a good price. And so there's a lot that they're juggling, but I'm hopeful that they can come up with a good solution that would allow PNW to stay on Saturday night after quizzing because the last uh, three, four, five years or so that we've been able to do that have been um, a really incredible time of fellowship for the quizzers. It was not something that I was ever able to do as a quizzer. The three times I went, um, we had to take off pretty much as soon as quizzing was done um, on Saturday to make the long drive back from Calgary or um, wherever we happened to be that year. Hmm, that's too bad. Yeah, I remember. I, any chance you think uh, Cranbrook or, or Calgary might be in the mix? I believe Calgary would be too far east for us to stay Saturday night, and I'm really not sure about Cranbrook. Um, I would hope that they end up having it where they did last year. 
Um, but we'll see. The price is the price was really good, um, and I think the only two detractors were the lodging was all bunk style, and so for some of the older adults, it was not an ideal situation. And um, room one quizzing was right across kind of a main hall from the lunch hall, and it was in the same building that was the main hangout area for quizzers, so it would lead to things being quite loud in room one for people trying to quiz. Um, but to me, those are small enough detractors that I think it's worth it based on all the other pros, but we'll see what they come up with. Yeah, it'll be awesome. I, I mean, I, it's a, it's such a great meet. Um, I mean, you talk about a, a massive bonding uh, experience where everybody's packed into vans or a bus or something like that um, for, you know, the, the trip up and the trip back. And then uh, being able to meet and hang out with people from other districts, it's almost like uh, in a way, in a very, very, very fuzzy way, if you squint enough, um, almost like a foreign exchange student sort of program you're, you're you're visiting a foreign country i mean as much as canada is a foreign country but i mean i think it from 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 quizzing's perspective i think i love what we do at the district level i think quizzing exists for the district uh and and the most value that we get out of quizzing is at the district level but i think experientially there's something very special about uh having uh you know two or more districts come together with their own unique cultures and their own unique backgrounds their own unique ways of approaching quizzing uh, it, it's it's so much fun I think the thing for me when I was both coaching and then and then later quiz mastering at, at Great West was experiencing how different people I mean we were all quizzing the same material we were all quizzing the same rules with some minor differences obviously you know uh, Pacific Northwest has its own unique uh, interpretation of certain rules but generally speaking it's the same rule book uh, but the style and the sort of the philosophy and the 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 accent of, of quizzing is just a little bit different, and it's it's such a wonderful experience. I've always really enjoyed it, and being someone who's very competitive, I always enjoyed that the two other districts that compete with us at Great West, which would be Western Canada and Canadian Midwest, were always very strong districts, and I so I loved. Um, competing with them and seeing how they prepare their teams. Um, it was wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're getting close to the end of the podcast, but uh, do you have uh, one last bit of advice uh, for quizzers or coaches even uh, coming into this quiz meet coming up for ABC or the, the, the meets uh, coming forward for the rest of the year? Definitely. Um, meet three is always the meet where I see the biggest drop in averages. And it's not a shock to me because the layoff between meet two and meet three is often the biggest gap between any meets. And that gap is in a time where you're usually home from school. Um, there's the holidays. And so there's a lot going on to pull your attention away from quizzing. And so it's easy to say, um, oh my goodness, I didn't study for two weeks. I'm sunk. I'm just going to toss in the towel. But I think it's helpful to remember that everyone else was in the exact same boat as you. Um, and it's not like everyone else has kept studying diligently just as they were before the holidays. And to encourage yourself that it was tough for everyone. And if you are willing to put in a little extra work now, um, it might be work that very few other people are willing to put in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. My last little bit of advice is um, a, a, just a practical note. Um, I don't know if you've experienced this in, in your room, Scott, but in my room, there's been uh, occasionally I've had to give out some fouls for lights popping off uh, inadvertently when a quizzer had absolutely no intention of jumping at all. It, it, in one case, it was actually an entire team that was uh, sitting out on a, a 
toss up and one of uh, the Quizzer's lights went off inadvertently and I had to foul them. And I mean, it's not a big deal. It's not the end of the world, but it's one of those things where, you know, make sure that when you are uh, uh, on your seat, uh, get get a, a firm uh, position on your light. For, for me, what I've seen, especially for those, the you know, the hard metal chairs that kind of have that little bowl in the center, I, I recommend scooching the pad full forward to the edge of the seat because you'll get a nice strong contact on it. Um, some quizzers have said, you know, if you flip the pad upside down, you might get a better contact on it. Then you could try both of those things, but just make sure that you're you're constantly paying attention to where that uh, where that seat is. Especially, I mean, if you have absolutely no intention of, of jumping and you accidentally jump, um, you know, you, you're you're going to either draw a foul or potentially draw an error depending upon you know the situation. So just just you know be careful about that. Yep, there there are going to be different technologies for jumping in each quiz room often. And so it's helpful to do the work to understand where the edge of your light is. So when you're right at the edge where a single movement will cause it to trigger, um, and that will help you um, gain an advantage when you're jumping to be right on that razor's edge of jumping and triggering your light. But it will also help you on questions where you're either not intending to jump or you're not allowed to jump, like a toss-up, to fully sit on your light because it is a disruption to the quiz if your light comes on. Quizmaster doesn't want to give you a foul, but um, it is a recourse to encourage people to know where the edge of their light is. And in my experience, I do have decent data on which quizzers get get fouls, and there's usually only a handful of quizzers who are responsible for the majority of the fouls, and it usually is fouls are most often due to a quizzer and not to the technology. Yeah. Most quizzers yeah. will foul and then look quizzically at their pad or their chair. <laughs> and believe me, the equipment is not without blame, but in my experience, the quizzer usually has more of the blame. Yeah. And speaking of blaming equipment, um, what's the status of, uh, I mean, benches? Are you going to be using benches in one? Or you're not in one, but is Abby going to be using benches in one? Or So the benches are working great. We, awesome. um, the benches got fixed over the offseason, and so they've been working great at meets one and two, and I hope that they will continue working great at meet three. However, the integration between the benches and some of Acme's hardware that runs the lights um, is preventing us from using the benches with a laptop, which is the only way that we can have a scoreboard projected. Uh, and so I'm ex- not expecting to have a scoreboard in room one for the meet, unfortunately. I know that's a great thing for the audience to see. Um, I am holding out hope that I will have the resources to run a scoreboard in room one just for finals because we can run it completely separately, not connected from the benches. So someone has to be sitting there, see who jumps, and then trigger that artificially on a laptop that is being projected. So I'm hoping that that, we can make that happen. And then, of course, uh, one of the things we want to certainly remind everyone listening that if you are not quizzing, uh, that is to say, if you are not a quizzer and you happen to have the opportunity to come to a meet and you have any, like, even if you have zero experience whatsoever with quizzing, uh, but just want to get involved, we could definitely use the help uh, in terms of scorekeepers or gophers or all kinds of other things. If you are interested in in participating, we can find a job for you. Absolutely. And to um, kids of quizzing age, I think it can be a pretty intimidating thing because the, the jumping looks weird and these kids have memorized all these verses. And I can say that, yes, um, people have different just innate skill levels in memorizing anything. That said, I don't know if I've run across anyone who um, didn't do better at quizzing than they thought they could. And it's just like anything. It take, it, there's a discipline, and once you kind of get into it, you find that you can memorize a lot more than you thought you could. Um, and it's really cool to see how the competitive structure, the... 
accountability from being on a team um, and the fun from having teammates really encourages you to encourage more than you ever have. And it often builds really healthy study skills that will help you for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on that note, I will uh, I'll take this opportunity to close us by actually plagiarizing Paul from the material from this week from uh, 16, 13 and 14. I wish a blessing upon all of us. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong and do everything in love. And I will see you guys this weekend. Thanks, Griffin. This was fun. All right. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Scott. 